Field. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you Monday through Friday, make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. The Blazers didn't win the whole dang thing. When it came down to it, they did not get the number one pick. They did not get the right to select Victor Wembanyama. The generational talent is heading to the San Antonio Spurs. In some ways, Tuesday night's draft lottery was a disappointment. But I want to tell you that, and that's what we're going to do in today's show, is that landing at number three is a really good outcome, all things considered, for the Blazers for a variety of reasons. But even with that really good outcome... Now they got decisions to make. The direction, the the demand to choose a direction has been clear since exit interviews when Damian Lillard made it as simple. Either make a trade to get older and better and don't draft youngsters, or you draft youngsters and I'm out of here. Portland, now armed with the number three pick, has to make a decision. That's what today's show is about. Let's talk about how they got the number three pick, what's going on with the draft. Then we'll talk about the decisions ahead for them and what trade upgrades to help Dame would look like and the reality that there is a there is a path in which the era ends and Damon Lode wears another jersey and it's weird. But let's start with how they got there. Some really good reporting. I uh, strong recommend to read Jake Fisher's article on Yahoo Sports. He did some really good reporting. Uh, a bunch of bunch of folks were in the draft room, inclu- including uh, Portland two local Portland media members, Bill Orem of the Oregonian, Sean Hyken of Rose Garden Report. Uh, but uh, the the way the NBA does it is they bring in uh, you know some executives, some media members, some people who work for the. Uh, law firm that runs the lottery into this like secret little room and sequester them. And then they, they, they actually run the lottery there. And then they broadcast it as a television event for all of us out on the outside to watch. Uh, so according to Fisher's reporting, and again, it's a really good story. I'll link it in the episode description for this episode. And I saw Ben Golliver report this too. Everyone in the room saw the same thing. <laughs> ben Golliver, the Washington Post, also a local boy, Beaverton's own Ben Golliver. The first three numbers that get spit out of the machine, 14, 5, and 8. The way the lottery works is that there are four number combinations. If your number comes up, that's it. The lottery only is for one through four because that's who jumps up in the lottery and then everything else goes chalk behind that. So they're they're choosing four slots and then... That it'll work out from there because you just drop back to where you drop back once someone jumps up, once multiple teams jump up. After 14, 5, and 8 show up, the Blazers are one number away. If the next ball that pops out of the machine, the next ping pong ball that bops out of the machine is a three, the Blazers have won the lottery. And a year of brutal and aggressive losing, yes, it wasn't a year, it was whatever five weeks uh it was it was a while it felt longer than it really was but it was you know a month of a month of losing aggressively and losing on purpose and benching 10 day guys who were too good to play and blah 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 blah, and fabricating injuries and all that all going to pay off the decision to pivot at the trade deadline and get worse instead of better was all going to pay off they're one number away they're one number away the wizards 
the Washington Wizards had six possible numbers that could have popped out of that machine. Seven, nine, 10, 11, 12, 15. Any of those six numbers pop out, the Washington Wizards have the number one pick in the NBA draft, and Wemby is heading to the nation's capital. The Blazers are looking for a three. Just one number. Uh, 14 numbers are in there. Just one number. It's a two. And the Spurs get another generational big man. Another one heading to San Antonio. In the two spots, Charlotte. And the Blazers land in third. And I think landing in third has real value specifically because of where Charlotte is land where Char because of where Charlotte landed. Charlotte has Lamella Ball, and presumably the presumptive number two overall pick in the NBA draft has mostly been Scoot Henderson. I've seen a couple people who have had uh, Brandon Miller, uh, but it has mostly been Scoot Henderson. Uh, I think for a long time, friend of the program, Raphael Barlow has had Brandon Miller as the number two prospect in the draft. Uh, I believe Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer also has him as the number two prospect in the draft. So it's not like uh, Brandon Miller is way, way, way behind. But those are typically the consensus top three guys, and Scoot is... uh, usually the first one, but he's a point guard and he's a point guard who needs the ball because he's not this uh, dynamic shooter. He's a get into the paints kind of like, you know, I've heard uh, whatever, not not necessarily scouts, but people quoting anonymous sources who are probably scouts and, and front office types. Uh, I've read this comparing him to young Derrick Rose, that type of, you know, elite athlete who can just get downhill, get to the rim. Uh, I've seen Scoot play those two games against Victor Wimbanyama in that showcase in um, Vegas, and he was fun as heck. And he shot fine in those games. But but in general, he's like a downhill threat and a ball-in-his-hand type of lead guard. The problem is they already have Lamella Ball, and he's that guy. And in fact, before that, before the, the lottery order happened on the uh, Lockdown NBA uh pre-lottery show that was live on YouTube that I that was a part of. We talked uh, about how if Charlotte were to move up to two, that Scoot isn't an ideal fit. In fact, people who are much smarter than me, uh, like Leif Thulin of, of Locked on NBA Big Board, uh, dr- someone who does draft stuff you know, professionally, said that's you know not an ideal fit. Wouldn't be an ideal fit. Maybe you would consider it, but wouldn't be an ideal fit. And there's been some reporting, including from Jake Fisher of, of, of Yahoo Sports, that Brandon Miller might be the pick, might be the pick. And there's speculation that they'll just go with the, you know, 6'8 wing over the guard because they already have that position locked down. That leaves the Blazers in the third spot with the generational talent that most folks think would go to. Three is an asset. And three is an asset because it might be the keys to Scoot Henderson, the keys to a, to a franchise player. And if you have a franchise player, other teams are going to come a-calling. In fact, Joe Cronin told Yahoo Sports, and I'm quoting here from the article from Jake Fisher, we're a team that's trying to win and trying to maximize Damian Lillard's timeline. This was an important night for us. Front offices around the league think highly of this draft, so you would think that a lot of the teams that were sitting on the stage tonight will be getting a lot of calls from teams trying to move up and maneuver. That doesn't sound like someone who plans on using the third pick. But the Blazers can't just be be irresponsible in trading that pick. They got to weigh their options. 
And so what I want to do to close the show is talk about the sort of reality that's ahead of them. They have, um, they have to make a decision. Are they going to trade three? Or are they going to keep Damian Lillard? Because if you select a rookie at three, you've already made the decision. The Damian Lillard era is over. I said it on yesterday's show, and I'll repeat it again here. If the Blazers select anyone in the lottery, not named Victor Wembanyama, they are signaling the end of the Damian Lillard era. They've got to make a decision. And now the decision gets, in some ways, easier and in some ways more challenging. Let's talk about that to close the show. And we'll do that first in the second segment. We'll talk about what does their path look like of keeping Dame and making that trade. But first, I want to tell you about Bird Dogs. They're the most comfortable shorts I've ever worn. I'm wearing them right now. Um, I will spare you the moving of the camera if you're on YouTube. But believe me, below this t-shirt, I'm wearing really comfortable shorts. Um, I'm wearing these sort of, they're more, they've got a, a couple different options there. They've got sort of a more athletic looking short and they've got a more formal, almost chino type short, but it's still stretchy. It's still soft. It's still super comfortable and super versatile. You could probably get away with rocking these on the golf course if you're a golfer, or they could be your lounge shorts by the pool. It's that versatility and that comfort that makes bird dogs so darn special. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing them to record a podcast. They're comfy as I sit on my chair here, but I was rocking them all afternoon in the yard, uh, you know, getting my gardening on, walking the, my baby in the park, doing cool dad stuff around my neighborhood and looking cool and feeling great. So if you wanted to be doing cool dad stuff, or if you're not a dad, you just want to like, you know, garden and go to the park, I got a great short for you. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Enter the promo code LockedOnNBA. They will throw you a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I got one of these tumblers. Going to hold my coffee. I'm going to walk to the coffee shop this weekend. I'm going to get myself a latte. I'm going to be rocking comfortable shorts. I'm going to have a uh, temperature-controlled beverage. I'm going to be one of the sweetest-looking dads in the whole neighborhood. So don't get jealous. Go to instead, go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NBA and join the club. All right. Let's keep it rolling. The Blazers got a decision to make. It's gonna be a challenging one. Maybe. Maybe it's a simple one that's already been made. At exit interviews, Damon Lord made it clear. If the route is to go young, he said, that's not my route. So that's why if the Blazers you might say, like, I think that's like totally logical to say, like, just make the pick. Like, you get a young, good player and try to build, and you've got Dame under contract for so many more years, and like, just do it. But the problem is that he's got a lot of sway in the organization. Um, he's the most powerful voice probably in the in the in the whole organization. Not probably. I'm going to say he's the most powerful voice in the organization pretty clearly. So if Damian Lord says that's not my route. Making a pick, going young, if the the if having to build through the draft or build anything, Dame says I don't want to. I'm I'm not interested in something that includes building. I want a chance to go for it. Made it clear that he wants to make a big trade, not to make a draft pick. He's you know he's he's not interested in another teenager and growing with that. He's interested in going for it. That route is not my route. There is no world 
in which they make a selection at three and bring a rookie in, be it Brandon Miller or be it Scoot Scoot Henderson, whoever it might be. There is no world where that happens, and Damian Lillard is on the roster. If you make a selection at three, the era is over. And the Blazers, I think the quote I read you in that first um, that first segment from Joe Cronin, they're trying to maximize, what's the language that, that Joe uses? Maximize Damian Lillard's timeline. That might be the like, that's like the, the Joe Cronin ethos. Unless he does something else, and then it's just a lie. <laughs> but otherwise, it's the clear ethos. So the Blazers, if they are going to follow this path of maximizing Damian Lord's timeline, they are trading this pick. And they're likely, and I think there's been reporting from uh, from Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy, of Locked On NBA Fantasy here on the network, um, and, and, and certainly speculation here by me, just like sort of reading the tea leaves, is that Embry Simons plus the lottery pick for Pascal Siakam. Embry Simons and the lottery pick for Mikhail Bridges. Embry Simons and the lottery pick for... Joel Bede. I don't really think that one's very realistic, but you might sit here and say, Mike, Ant and three, Ant and Scoot for Mikhail Bridges is a ripoff. And I don't think that I would disagree, but I would liken it to this. It is like the Clippers trading a kajillion draft picks for Paul George. And Shea Gildas Alexander. It was a ripoff. They got ripped off. For sure. For sure. But they weren't just trading for Paul George. They're trading to, for the right to sign Mikhail Bridges. The trade, which would be an overpay, is a trade to keep Damian Lillard. And I think it's okay to hear that thing I just pitched and say, don't do it, screaming into your headphones. Don't do it. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not even necessarily in favor of those trades, right? Like, I'm, I'm just laying out what has been kind of reported and speculated on um, and, and and just like sort of the, the logic that they, they're likely to follow. But my friend, Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets and host of Locked on NBA, another wonderful podcaster here at the podcast. Jackson does a really good job. I'd recommend checking out Locked on Rockets. They've got the fourth pick in the draft. Jackson sent me this. He texted me this tonight. So what do you think about this trade? Portland receives Mikhail Bridges. The Houston Rockets receive the number three overall pick, which would be the right to draft Scoot Henderson. And Brooklyn would get the number four overall pick from Houston, as well as the 2024 pick back from the Brooklyn Nets. That would be the structure of the trade. Or back, the, the 2024, their own 2024 pick. That's the Brooklyn would get their own 2024 pick back from Houston. So you get... You'd get number four this year, which is like one of the Thompson twins, probably. And then you'd get your own 2024 pick back. Uh, Brooklyn, of course, doesn't have those picks because they've you know, traded for um, traded for James Harden. Um, they're light. They're light on picks because of moves. They just don't have access to any of their picks because they made uh, they've made some aggressive plays to, to, to upgrade a roster that no longer exists. I think the framework of that is really intriguing for the Blazers. It doesn't work money-wise. Like, to make the money work, you'd have to include Yusuf Nurkic. Let's say you send Yusuf Nurkic and Keon Johnson to Houston. They've got a bunch of cap space. You say, hey, you've got to absorb some bad money in order to— and it's not even bad money, but not great money. Um, like, Nurk is not as good as Alperen Shingun for um He's very different. They're very different players, but I would rather— if I'm Houston, I would rather play Alperen Shingun. He's got more upside. He's way worse on defense than Nurk, like, significantly. But he's a really special offensive talent. Nurk might be better than him. They're, they're just different players. If I was Houston, I'd start LP, though. 
But Nurk plus Keon Johnson makes the money work for Mikael Bridges. So the Blazers would have given up three and Nurk for Mikael Bridges. That is a lot easier to stomach than Ant and three. Every time he might be a like I don't think he's going to be like an all star in this league. I don't I don't see that as his upside. Certainly on the Trailblazers, I think there's a world in where Amphrey Simons goes somewhere else, spreads his wings and his all those things. Um, but I probably in general don't I don't see him as like multi time all star upside. I do see Mikael Bridges as that. Um, I think it's like you know was defensive player of the year type of defender in Phoenix. And then he all of a sudden discovered a you know 40, 40 a game occasionally night scorer in Brooklyn. He's a you know really good under contract for three more seasons, twenty six years old, it's the right age, all those things. That is the kind of trade that is really appealing, and I think the difference in getting three and having three be scoot because of the presumption that the Hornets will not take another guard when they already have Lamelo Lamelo Ball. That puts the Blazers in a driver's seat that they just weren't in. They just weren't in. It's very different. It's that type of trade where if you are calling up the uh, Toronto Raptors, maybe Fred Van Vliet is on his way out and they see Scoot Henderson as a generational guard to move forward with uh, the OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes core. And they say, yeah, let's make the money work with Pascal and and and." Let's let's make it like let's let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Uh, of course, Toronto has kind of famously had a, a steep asking price, so maybe you negotiate they negotiate themselves out of it. But but it's very different if the Blazers were five or six or seven in this draft. Very different. Three and three being presumptively scoot changes the value. It is a it opens up a world of possibilities in which. You don't have to ship Ant out with the pick to make the to have it be valuable. You probably didn't anyways, but you would have to ship Ant out to make the money work. And if the pick is six, then it's a lot less sexy. Now it is like not just three, but it's three with that might be Scoot. And you might still think that's an overpay. You might still think in general, I would just rather have Scoot Henderson and, and Shaden Sharp and Amphrey Simons and just make it ha- and like figure it out if that many dudes who are guards could could work or, you know, Scoot and Shaden Sharp and then trade Ant for something else and trade Dame and, and start over with, you know, and truly, truly tear it down to the studs. I think there's people who are who are pining for a rebuild. I'm skeptical of um, truly tearing it down to the studs in general in the league. But yeah, like I think that's a responsible path to go. But I think that sort of the framework of the trade I just laid out is like something the Blazers now can consider in a way that they couldn't have considered before because of where they landed. Three is an asset. Three is a friggin' asset. It's undeniable. But what if they go the other way? Let's let's talk about the other option. That's the trade to pick. What if they keep it? What does that look like? Let's talk about that in the third segment. Join me there, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Portland's got to make a decision this summer. They want to maximize Damian Lillard's timeline. They got to trade the lottery pick for veterans to help him win. Dame wants to go for it. He's not interested in teenagers. But I think there is a very reasonable case to make to say, listen, Now's now or never kind of get off the Damian Lillard pot. Like get it's it's 
you know, he's, he's, he's getting older. He has a whole bunch of money owed to him up through his 36th birthday. Like he's, he's just, um, you know, he's coming off this incredible season is just awesome year. Um, which at age is age 32 season when he was excellent he turns 33 in July. Like it's, it is, um, you know, you've as, as sort of difficult it would be, you've spent 11 seasons with this fella and, um, you may have, you may have given it as good a go as you can. And now you are in this great position to sort of pivot quickly into the next era while still being pretty darn talented. And now you've got the third pick in the draft. I don't think this is the route the Blazers will go, but I think it's a totally reasonable route to hope that they go. In fact, talking to my friends who are, who are uh, Blazers fans, uh, probably not not half but there's like a de- decent percentage 40 some percent roughly of the you know 10 15 blazer fans that i talk to who are my who are my people uh, and dudes i play pickup with who are like over it who want to just start over um and 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 sell hope and and kind of just like go get on to what's next because they've seen this movie before and they're tired of it i think it's totally reasonable totally reasonable probably even the more responsible thing for a team like portland to do at this juncture and I will say this, I had, um, you know, I'm, I don't claim to be super plugged in on this podcast. It's kind of not my, um, just not my world anymore, <laughs> like to, to be totally honest, but I still know people who work in the league a little bit. Um, and I will say that talking to folks tonight, cause tonight was a night that everyone wanted to chat cause people are excited about, um, the, the draft lottery. I think there is more of a perception with folks outside, folks outside of the Blazers organization who work in the league, that Dame is gettable, more gettable than ever, and that the Blazers' draft lottery position, maybe not necessarily strengthens Dame's like availability or whatever, but it it didn't hurt it. Like it didn't hurt it. Uh, talking to one specific person, they were thinking this, like thought you could trade for Dame before. Now I feel like you could still trade for Dame, and the Blazers are even, even in a sweeter position to kind of pivot in that way. I would say just like in general, uh, citing sources if you want me to. I will. I'm doing that now. I'll keep an eye on the Brooklyn Nets as a Damian Lillard destination. But it isn't that simple. He's owed a bunch of money. The Blazers would have to take back some money to make it happen. Are they going to sign and trade for Cam Johnson to make that happen? Does that even make sense for what the Blazers would do? They're certainly not going to take back Ben Simmons' money unless they're getting a treasure trove of picks that the Nets like don't really have to trade. So it's like it's it's not that simple. But that's what I had. I will say that's what I had heard. Let's keep an eye on that. But I think more importantly than the sort of specifics of, of some of some chats I had this evening, text messages if you want to know how I, how I had these conversations. More more importantly than that, or sort of more more pointedly than that, is that if the Blazers were going to make this decision, it makes sense to go ahead and do it, and I don't think they're going to make this move. Like, I don't think they're going to make any trades before draft night or draft week. Like, maybe a couple days leading up to the draft. Most most likely, like, draft night. That's when these big things go down. Because you hold, you say, okay, we've, you know, you keep talking. To quote Neil Olshay, like, uh, transactions are fluid. It's a fluid process. Uh, like, but, like, it, you know, Neil's kind of a jerk. And he says funny stuff. But, like, um, he, it's true. Like, you, you have the conversations. Okay, 
That's what it would look like. We'll call you when we get there. We're not there yet. We'll call you when we get there. And when you're on the clock, deadline spur actions, that's when it would happen. But if the Blazers make a pick, if they do take Scoot, or if Scoot's gone and they do take Brandon Miller, you've, you find yourself in a world in which you can pivot to what's next faster. The draft is going to be the thing that spurs the decision. It's not going to leak into July. And if there's no Dame, there's no Jeremy Grant, and he's not coming back, um, I, I would imagine that they pivot pretty aggressively off the whole roster if there's no Dame. I, I, I don't think this is particularly... I would say that it's much, much more likely that Dame is on the roster, but I think there is, like I said, from, from conversations I had, there is a perception with those outside of the, the, the organization that Dame is, is, could, be, could be gettable, could be obtainable in a way that um, has not necessarily been the case in the past. And I think that the Blazers don't want to do that. I think they've been very clear that they don't want to do that. They've, you know, they didn't give Damian Lord a hundred million dollar extension because they were going to pivot off him. You don't do that, right? You don't do that. You don't trade for Jeremy Grant, his preferred kind of running mate, if you weren't like, hey, let's do what you want to do. Let's make it happen. Let's let's go forward. But they've also kind of been building this other timeline the shade and sharp timeline the Anthony simons timeline the don't add a center to the roster the get worse at the at the deadline type of thing like didn't build as competitive a roster as they could before the trade deadline and then intentionally build a worse roster after the trade deadline like they've kind of been going the other direction their words and maximize damien lord's timeline the the sort of cronin ethos and Dame's words align in that they aren't going to go this way. But their actions suggest that they are at least keeping the door open. I don't think that's the way they'll go. But I think that they have found themselves at a crossroads. And from now until the draft in June for the next month, the scramble of... Um, you know, there's going to be the, the draft combine coming up this week, and then the Blazers will do some pre-draft workouts, although I've heard whispers that most of their pre-draft stuff they're going to do in in Chicago because they're not planning on using the pick anyways. So why hold draft workouts um, in Portland? Why waste your time? But they do have the 23rd pick in the draft. They've got a second-round pick. Like, certainly there's plenty of reasons to hold draft workouts, but maybe not for the top, top, top guys just because of their situation. But maybe you still do because you want to, like, you know, you know, you want to pretend, you want to bluff as much as you can. It's bluffing season. But they find themselves at a crossroads, and they find themselves at a crossroads that has changed because they are at, have the third overall pick. And the decision seems clear. If they go up to the podium and they make that pick, and it hasn't been reported by one of the news brokers that that pick is on the move, and they come away on draft night with a teenager who they selected in the third pick in the draft, it is a signal that the era is over. And I think I, the night of the draft will be the decision they make. Will be the, they, they've have, they've, this, is the, this is the summer that they have to choose a direction, and, the, and draft night will be the night they choose a direction. It's not going to linger beyond that. Their best thing to trade is the number three pick. Their... And if they don't trade it, they've already made the decision for themselves. It is a fascinating road ahead. We will dive more into it because that's what we do here on the podcast. Tell your friends about the show. 
it's about to get fun. It's about to get fun. This is a fun time of year. The off season's fun. People, people love this stuff. They love it more than basketball. Um, and I'm going to have a bunch of fun with it. I, I, I try to, um, you know, I try to, I try to have a bunch. I try to have fun. I try to help you kind of figure out the logic of what the teams are doing and, and give you a little bit of, a, you know, a little smidge of reporting when I can. I appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about the show. I will talk to you soon.